Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you. Um, it was wonderful to be together yesterday uh, at, the, at the North's place. I just want to thank Kristen and Ira. I think they're next service, but for opening their house, anytime you open your house for a few hundred people to come over, uh, it's never a small thing, and uh, they just were wonderful hosts to us yesterday out on, their, out on their farm, so it was a joyful day, a beautiful day that the Lord made. Well, this morning we have a window into the glorious outcome of the new birth of Christ. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. What comes to us by grace through faith? And I pray that what we see here this morning will help to shape your hope for the future and will turn your heart away from the materialism and the things of this world. Uh, the pull of this world is very strong. I'm going to push this down here a little bit so I can see you guys. There you go. Um, and it takes something stronger to pull us away from the things of this world and to turn our heart towards things that are not of this world. And so what we'll see this morning in 1 Peter is something of the hope of salvation, of the imperishable inheritance that we see, receive through Christ Jesus and the new birth that we have in him. I would ask you to please stand this morning to honor the Lord as we read his word. Now you guys are here. There you are. All right. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Through, uh, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Being born again. The scripture says that we are born again to a living hope. And that this being born again comes to us through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ from the dead. But our focus today will begin in verse 4, that we are saved to an inheritance. An inheritance is usually something that comes to us through the death of another person. It's something that we receive when someone dies. And in Christ, as a Christian, we receive this inheritance through the death of Christ, but it's through his death and then through his resurrection that this inheritance comes to us. But an inheritance is always something that comes to a person that is related to someone, someone that is uh, of kin in some way. And so how is it that we are brought into kinship with Christ Jesus? Well, the scriptures are very clear that we are not naturally akin to him. We are brought in by adoption. Our being brought into the family of Christ Jesus is described and explained in the Bible as something of adoption, that the Lord God brings us into his family by grace that we might be saved. 
And part of being brought into the family of Christ Jesus is that we are given an inheritance in his kingdom. It is something that comes to us by unconditional love, without condition. There is nothing that Christ Jesus demands of us. It is by grace. And it is something that we can never fully comprehend how it is that God would love us and would want us to be with him, be where he is, and give us a a portion in his kingdom. A place prepared for us in heaven, an inheritance that we have only begun to enter into. And I do say that we have begun to enter into it because the eternal life of Christ Jesus begins at the moment of our salvation and continues on, not yet fully complete. And so we have, as we see in the last verse, verse 9, and we'll get to here in a little while, a little taste of the things of heaven now that we know to be true in our soul, but we have not yet seen. We are still believing by faith that which will one day become sight. But as verse 4 says, this inheritance that comes to us in Christ through being born again is one that is imperishable, one that is undefiled, one that is unfading, one that is kept in heaven for us, one that is guarded by God's power through faith for a latter day. And so I understand that there are countless ways in life that we can go off track for the things that we hope for. When we're looking at something that is yet to come in Christ Jesus, something that is described as being unfading and imperishable and cannot be broken, as we look down the course of our lives and we think of striving after the things of our life, our life is the exact opposite of what is described here. Our life is one that is extremely fragile. And as we struggle after certain things in our lives, we all understand that it only takes one significantly wrong decision. It takes one visit to the doctor, one slide into the indulgence of sin, one wrong financial decision can bring ruin upon your life, and it does upon so many. Every person that has any mileage on them, any years in their life, understands the struggle and the hardship and the fragile nature of this life and how quickly things can be broken. And what a joy and what a hope it is that we might receive something from Christ Jesus that, can be, that cannot be broken, something that is unfading. Quickly, the future can shatter the things that we have pursued with all of our energy. Things that seemed so perfect can quickly become defiled in this life. Things that seemed very permanent can quickly become perishable. Things that seem so close can quickly fade away. But this is not new for the struggle of humanity. This has always been this way. The way that things in our time and in our age fade away are different than the way that they did uh, back in the Middle Ages. But still, the fragile nature of life versus the imperishable nature of the kingdom of God have always contrasted each other terrifically. And some will tell you today that you can get past all of this through the power of positive thinking. That you can create what you want and you can make the future that you want if you just strive after it hard enough. But I believe that every single one of us here know that this is foolishness because there are so many things that are beyond our control in this life and that there is nothing that will come to us that is imperishable or unfading, nothing that we can take hold of by our own strength and power apart from the Lord when uh, he is not at work in what is happening in our lives. And so the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
is that we must, by faith, entrust ourselves to the salvation of Jesus Christ. For Jesus to accomplish a salvation that we can never accomplish in and of ourselves. For Jesus to give us a place at his table and in his kingdom that we do not deserve. To stand in his kingdom, not by our merit, but by the merit of Christ alone. And that absolutely nothing can derail, corrupt, or defile the purposes of God towards those who are born again and are seeking after him. I'd like to read for you from Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. And thinking about this, I'm reminded of what Paul writes. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a beautiful passage. That there is nothing that will be able to separate us from what God is doing to bring us into his kingdom. This means that this salvation was accomplished on the cross, and it is through this glorious resurrection of Jesus that the salvation of Christ Jesus will be accomplished in our life. And if, if there's anything that you grasp from today, uh, one of the main points of this, which is so confused in our day, is that the salvation of Christ Jesus is not a salvation unto more of the things of this world. The salvation of Jesus Christ is unto eternal life. Many people mistakenly believe that the salvation of Jesus is unto more of this world, that we will be given more of this life, more of the corrupt things of this world. There are this, even when we go overseas, we find that the corruption of this teaching has reached churches all over the world. Many false teachers convincing tens of millions of people that salvation equals getting more of this world. That the uh, favor of Christ is related to material wealth. That the inheritance of salvation is somehow a fine car or a big house. And nothing screams more from the pages of Scripture that the life of Christ is not about these things. This is not what pursuing the kingdom of God is. And yet so many people are distracted by these things and mistakenly believe that this is what the kingdom of God is. And yet this is strikingly hollow. And it was just brought home to me this week. There are no coincidences in the way that the Lord works our lives. I, I was in uh, Los Angeles this past week for work and I kept driving past uh, Beverly Hills to, to get to where I was going between my hotel to this office. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for a run through Beverly Hills. So I put my shoes on after work one day and, and ran for miles back and forth through the blocks of, of Beverly Hills. And it's pretty much all that you would expect it to be. Uh, opulent houses, uh, every high-end car that you could possibly imagine, uh, perfectly manicured fake people walking up and down the sidewalks. Uh, I ran past one house, and this guy had his new Porsche running in the driveway, and he was, he was filming it like you would a child they had playing on their bicycle and just going after this car. Um, what you can't help but think as you run through this is, you know, is this all that there is? 
Like, is, is, this, is this heaven? Is this, is this everything that there is? One of the funniest parts of it was we're renovating our kitchen right now. And, you know, an expensive part of the kitchen is what you're going to put on the counter. Well, this guy had this huge driveway. The whole driveway was paved in what we're going to do our countertops in. I was like... <laughs> This is nuts. I guess this is what heaven's going to be like. The streets are going to be made out of gold. Like something that was so valuable to us here is of zero value there. But the reality of this situation is this is what tens of millions of people in this world, probably more than that, spend all the energies of their life pursuing after. They pour out their whole life all the way up until they die trying to get something like this that I might live in a house like this, that I might drive a car like this around the block. And uh, what, are they, what do they think is going to happen to them when they come into this house or they sit down in this car? What do they think is going to happen to their life? Do you really believe that all the people that I was running past in this neighborhood are happy people? Are people at peace with themselves and with their neighbors, people that have deeply meaningful relationships, and most importantly, people that are at peace with God? And we all know the answer to that question. The answer is, is usually no. In fact, people that reach this plateau, or whatever you want to call it, are usually people that have more problems and more struggles than other people, because in their pursuit of the things of this world, they have stepped on all the people around them and destroyed the relationships, and they have sought not first the kingdom of God, but the things of this world. And so as I ran through this neighborhood, I kept thinking, what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world but lose their own soul? And how many souls in this neighborhood did not know a thing about Christ Jesus? And though they literally had everything that the world could offer, it profited them nothing. And so this morning we have before us Peter, who was not wealthy in the things of this world, talking to us about an inheritance that comes to us in Christ Jesus. A salvation of Jesus that comes through the struggles of this life and unto an eternal glorious rest for which we worship Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me say that one more time. It is a salvation that comes to us through the struggles of this life and leads unto an eternal rest for which we will worship Jesus Christ our Lord. We are not saved out of the struggles of this life while we live in this life. It, there are innumerable passages in Scripture that talk about this. We're going to read a few more this morning. But it is, in fact, through the struggles of this life that the Lord Jesus shapes our faith and causes us to rely more upon Him. He refines our faith through the struggle of this life that our heart might be fixed upon Him and the hope and the rest of heaven that is not of this life. In verses 6 through 7, Peter gets into this. That the genuine nature of our faith is tested by trials and sometimes by grievous trials. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so authentic faith, that faith which is truly born of Christ Jesus, cannot be undone, it cannot be extinguished, and it cannot be lost. 
Instead, as this faith, which comes to us through new birth, and is put on display as it is tested, and as it is tested to its genuineness, and it endures through the work of Christ Jesus, all the world begins to see something of God. The world begins to be able to see a person who is able to rise up out of grief, out of struggle, out of hardship, and they wonder, how is this possible? I went through something similar to this, and I was not able to stand up underneath this. How are you able to stand up underneath this? And something of Christ Jesus is spoken of, that it is through Christ and through his salvation and through the work and the comfort and the strength of the Holy Spirit that I am able to stand up. And the work of the Lord in your heart becomes more and more visible to others as you go through this life and the trials and the struggles of this life. Whereas inauthentic faith is exactly the opposite. Inauthentic faith is a person who who says the right things and may do the right things, but in their heart they have no, no faith and trust in Christ. They know that they are trusting in themselves. It is still a work that they are trying to accomplish of their own strength and by their own work, and they have not surrendered themselves to Christ Jesus. And this type of man-made strength will fail under the pressures of this life. Inauthentic faith by trial and by struggle will be broken down, and it will instead demonstrate human weakness. It will fade It will begin to run after the world and forsake the hope of Jesus Christ. Those who say the right things about Jesus, but their hearts are far from him. Those who seek Christ for profit, for fame, to manipulate others, as terrible as that sounds, there are those out there that pursue after religion so they might use it as a lever to manipulate others. All these things will fade away. All their reward, Jesus talks about this, all their reward will be in this life. He talks about the Pharisees in his day, those that all their reward will be now, so they had better enjoy it because what will come next will be death and judgment, and that there will be no eternal reward for them. But those in Christ who lived a humble life in this life, those who lived a life filled with trial and struggle, but their faith was enduring in Christ Jesus, will enter into glory. And they will enter into this imperishable, undefiled presence of Christ Jesus. So it is not so for those in Christ. If you turn back just a few pages to James chapter 1, we're instructed by James, the brother of Jesus, that the sustaining grace of the Holy Spirit will help us to be able to count trials and struggles as those things which are in fact a joy in our life. And that they will grow us in steadfastness, which seems completely counterintuitive. How could we see something that is a struggle and a hardship to us as a joy. And I know that it is not often immediately so, but we remind ourselves that the Lord Jesus has not forsaken us and that he is working his purposes in our lives. And as we hold on and we wait, we begin to see the purposes of the Lord in our life. Uh, I know that as the years have gone on in my life, I have been able to see the purposes of the Lord in certain struggles that I could not at all see during that time. And I had to hold on by faith and continue walking in the ways of Christ Jesus, believing that God is good and that he does have a purpose in my life. And later, I have begun to see those things. And I know that some of us, we will never see certain purposes until we enter into glory and have a perspective on all of our life. 
But we are called to count these things as joy, knowing that the Lord will grow the steadfastness of our faith as we press through struggle into uh, what he has for us. And so what is the final result? Going back to what I was saying before, the result is not salvation in this life. If you are counting on, hoping on, banking on some salvation in this life, that I will pass out of this struggle of this life into a time of no struggle in this life, you will be sorely disappointed because this life will always be filled with struggle. But we will one day pass out of this life into the presence of Christ Jesus. And it talks about this at the end of verse 7. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, those of us who know Christ as Savior, will, he will be revealed to us in one way or another. It will either be by our passing in death into his presence or his second coming. And we will one day see his glorious face. And that what was by faith for our whole life will become by sight. That we will be in his presence in a way that will cause us to praise and to glorify and to honor him. Not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory. That we will enter into his presence and realize fully what he has done for us and how it is that he has carried us through all of the struggles of this life and how he has brought us into his glorious presence and accomplished something that only he could accomplish. This salvation that we have been talking about for many weeks coming to us from the foreknowledge of the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, by the shed blood of Christ Jesus upon the cross, carrying us through the corruption of this world and the failings of this world unto an eternal life that we did not merit but will last forever, never perishing, never defiled, never fading away as all the things of this life are. In verse 8, we have the work of God's spirit in our heart. I love verse eight. Verse eight to me is one of the precious verses of the Bible. We talked about these things and we could keep talking about these things, but it is the work of God's spirit that presses our heart to help us understand that these things are true. That though you haven't seen a single thing that I've been talking about today, and though you have never seen Christ Jesus in his face, and you have never seen the glories of heaven, the Spirit of God bears witness to those that are born again that these things are in fact true. And that because even though it says we have not seen Christ Jesus, we love him. And though we do not see him now, we believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. I, I can't explain to an unbeliever the hope that I have in heaven. I, I just can't do it. I will tell them about Jesus and I will pray for them that they might come to know Christ and that they might come away from the things of this world to something that is of infinitely greater value. But at the end of the day, I just can't express what it is to have the hope of heaven in my soul that carries me through the struggles of this day. And it's something that Christ Jesus puts into our hearts. And it reminds me of the blessing that the Lord Jesus proclaimed upon you and I, those that have not seen and yet believe. This comes from the passage where Thomas said he would not believe that Jesus had risen from the dead until he put his finger in his side and touched him. And Jesus was merciful to show him what needed to be seen, and he came and let Thomas touch him. But he said afterwards this, 
Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen? But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and I. That's all of us. That we have not seen and yet we believe. And that the Holy Spirit has borne witness in our heart that Jesus Christ has in fact risen from the dead. And that this idea of heaven is not foolishness, but it is a hope that will one day become sight. And I believe there is a special thing about us gathering together as a local church. It is very important that we do this, that the Lord brings a particular blessing upon his people when we gather together in the way that he pours out his spirit upon his people and the way that we encourage each other towards the hope of heaven. And we encourage each other through the struggles of this life and what may hit us this week or what hit us last week, that we put our arms around each other and we pray for each other and we lift each other up and we strengthen each other. And the Lord uses the local church to bear witness to the glory of Christ Jesus and the hope of salvation that is yet to come. And as we gather, we gather with joy. We gather with worship. We gather in the powerful presence of God's Holy Spirit. And there is something of heaven here. There's something of a, of a, a foretaste, if you will, of divine things yet to come. A little bit of what it will be like when Christ Jesus is fully in our presence and the presence and power of sin is stripped away from our life and we have fully inherited that which we long for now. And so though we have not seen him, we love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So what is the outcome of our faith? The outcome of our faith is the salvation of our soul. And so when we look back at the idea of inheritance and what it is that we are striving so hard after in this life, our striving ought to be after the salvation of the soul and the glory of Christ Jesus in that salvation. Because when we enter into glory, it will be about us honoring Christ Jesus, knowing full well that we did not save ourselves, but that what has come about has come about by the work of Christ Jesus, that he might be glorified. And people from every tongue, tribe, and nation in the world gathering around the throne of Christ Jesus, worshiping him, and this will be heaven. Um. In our time remaining, what I want to do is read a parallel passage. A passage, this is Peter writing about this. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, I'm going to read this for us because this is a, a passage that expresses so many of the same things but written by Paul. And both of these passages deserve our meditation or our, our thinking on, our carefully considering the path and the course of our life right now and the way it is that our life and the Christian life and salvation is described in the scriptures and making sure that the focus and the uh, perspective of our Christian life is as it ought to be from the scriptures. So let me read for us 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. We have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, 
perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you." So this speaks to what we've been talking about earlier, the, the struggle of life. Uh, so many just beautiful descriptions here. Struck down, but not destroyed. And it talks about struggle being allowed into our life by the Lord so that it might manifest something of his death in us. In other ways, Paul writes about us sharing in the sufferings of Christ. The life of Christ was a life that was filled with many sufferings, and we are not above him, and we will in fact share in his sufferings. And as we pass through those sufferings, what is happening is what is described here, that the life of Christ might be shown in us, that we are not destroyed by these things, but that the eternal life of Christ Jesus, the resurrection life of Christ Jesus might be seen in us as we continue to come back from or not beaten down or not overwhelmed by the struggles of this life and that there is something of Christ Jesus and his eternal life that is present in us. If we keep going, verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that we, I'm sorry, that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So again, always the Christian life, the end of it is us being raised into the presence of Jesus. Whereas now we experience a small amount of his presence, we will one day fully be in his presence. And this is the hope of every Christian that has lived. And then finally, this beautiful description of life now as we enter into those things which are yet to come. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What a beautiful passage. As we grow older, every day something hurts more than it did before, and I just feel weaker than I used to. And the outer person is wasting away, but by the grace of God, I feel like my soul is getting closer to heaven, and that there's something more of Christ in me than there was before. And I know that a significant part of that has come through the struggles of this life in relying upon Christ Jesus and seeing his faithfulness. In this light, momentary affliction, all the scripture speaks of life like that. Our life is gonna be like a vapor when we enter into heaven and all the struggles and hardships of this life will seem like nothing when we enter into the presence of Christ. And so we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, not to those things which are transient, but to those things which are eternal.
And so I encourage you, brothers and sisters, this morning to fix your heart and your hope and your eyes, not upon Beverly Hills and the things that are there, but upon the, the mountain that is, the scriptures talk about us, look unto the hills, for there our help comes from, the Lord Jesus. He is the one who will bring salvation to us, and his salvation will not be of the material things of this world, but it will be unto eternal life and in his presence and a glory that we cannot yet imagine or see. Let us put our faith in him this morning. Let's pray.